Welcome back, everyone, to Safety. I'm your host, Jill. And I'm Stephen. Today, we're going to talk a bit about roommates. Not just normal roommates, but difficult ones, or even worse, toxic roommates. You know, having a roommate your first year of college can be amazing. A roommate can help prevent homesickness and even end up being a lifelong friend. But not always. Usually about this time of year, the reality of living with another person in a small dorm room begins to sink in. Maybe you're hitting it off and have this whole roommate thing figured out, but that isn't always the case. Sometimes things get a bit more tense the longer you live together. Exactly. This makes total sense. It's such an intense change to go from living under your parents' roofs with your own bathroom and your own stuff kept in your own space to living with a friend or even a complete stranger. And while college brings exciting new freedom, you're also losing some control over your space that you enjoyed living with your parents. Yeah. And these difficulties can have a negative effect on everything you do in college. Sleep, your mental health, even your performance in the classroom. So, Stephen, since we're bringing this up, do you know just how common roommate problems are? I'm not really sure, but I think you're about to tell me. That's right. I did my research. So, according to a 2014 national study on roommate relationships, almost 50% of the 31,500 students surveyed reported occasional to frequent conflicts with their roommates. That's almost half. 50%? That's half. <laughs> That's how fractions work. I know math is hard <laughs> Whoa. for Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I These know, are percentages. Right? <laughs> so, uh, are there any common themes? Like, what were the most common causes of roommate conflict? Well, according to Mental Health America, the most common conflicts are centered around dorm room untidiness, unwanted visitors, and particularly intimate visitors, mm. if you know what I mean. Noise, roommates who snoop through your personal items or eat your food without asking, and really a general lack of respect for another person's privacy. Like, for instance, when you're undressing or changing clothes. It's important to realize that your best friend may actually be your worst roommate. Oftentimes, the best way to keep that person as your best friend is to not be their roommates. Sounds like you might have a story about that. Did you or any you know, of your friends ever have trouble with any roommates? Might, it might sound like I have a story about that, but actually I don't. Oh, really? Uh, no, I, I have been pretty lucky. There are no horror stories, but probably everything you just listed I've been either guilty of or I've had a roommate that was guilty of. So you were the roommate. I sometimes was the roommate uh -huh. in hindsight. Okay. Um, and that's why my second year on, I was actually an RA, a resident advisor, whatever you call them. And I just was in a solo room and, you know, I was able to live on the dorms, but I didn't have a roommate so that I could kind of, you know, Police everyone else. Yeah, I could police everyone else. Yes. And all of their bad roommates. And have the biggest room. But also I'd have, you know, time to kind of recharge myself and I, you know, wouldn't be stuck with yeah. a bad roommate. No, so that sounds like a good way to go. Um, I also didn't really have much by way of roommate issues, but I had a really good friend who did. She had a roommate that she just absolutely loathed for an entire semester who didn't really bathe very often oh, yeah. no. um so it made it you know she didn't really want to be in the room very often it was just a huge point of contention between them yeah and that's, yeah. that's something that's really tough to bring up too and yeah. we'll, we'll get into some uh examples later but that's always kind of tough to have those hard conversations with someone that you might not even know that well exactly yeah um, we're actually super lucky today. I don't even know if we've mentioned, but we have Evan, one of our yeah. podcast hosts from our Three College Idiots podcast. You should check them out if you haven't already. And I really want to bring him in too. Evan, you got to have some stories, right? Hello, my name is Evan. So my freshman year, I lived with somebody who I went to high school with, but I didn't really know them. 
I, I knew them. I had hung out with them a couple of times, but we weren't like best friends or anything. And it was, it, it could have gone better, could have gone worse. But like you'd mentioned, we had probably all of the above issues of unwanted visitors when I was sleeping at 3 a.m., stealing food hmm. and whatnot like that. And I've had a lot of other friends who've had issues too. But also I, I have heard two really good friends of mine, they lived together freshman year and they still live together and they're still best friends. So I guess it kind of depends on the person, but. Yeah. That's really cool that they uh, they still are friends. Um, <laughs> Even after living together. Yeah. Well, it's so tough, right? Because you're living your entire life, like you were saying, under your parents' roofs and you are so used to just grabbing whatever you want in the fridge and just if you decide to be lazy for a week and not do any of your laundry, like who's going to care? And suddenly you have a lot more responsibility and, you know, that can uh, have a little friction with some people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's tons of issues that can happen like we've already kind of started addressing. And it's really important to know how to head these off, you know, before they really get out of hand or before you become part of the problem yourself. With us today to kind of talk about things, we have Christy Fogg. Christy is a clinical therapist and a licensed clinical social worker who has been a regular on safety for two years. We're fortunate to have her back to share her wisdom about this very common issue of dealing with a difficult roommate or being a difficult roommate. Welcome back, Christy. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So, Christy, we polled a number of college freshmen about their roommate experiences. Some of the complaints people had about their roommates are universal when people live together, whether it be a sister, a brother, a roommate, etc. But some issues seem to be unique to college roommate situations. And even though the details are different, they tend to fall in certain categories. We'd like to throw some of these disputes at you and see how you'd suggest resolving them. I'll start first. But before we get started, just know that all names and places have been changed to protect the innocent. So this first one is from a guy, let's call him Chris. He says, my roommate stores his weed in the ceiling tiles of our dorm room right over my bed because it's easier to reach and I'm in the top bunk. He's a great friend and roommate otherwise. What should I do? So Christy, even though marijuana is legal in many states, this seems not only offensive, but potentially illegal as well. How would you handle this? Yeah, so first of all, I would ask Chris, have you talked with your roommate about this? So if you have an issue with any of that then, and you've not communicated what your boundaries are, you're also a part of the problem. So while it may seem obvious to you, you can't expect your roommate to be a mind reader. So I think there's two sides to this issue. So one is the lack of consideration from your roommate that you may not want to smell pot all night while you're sleeping. So that's the first thing to address. The other problem is, is that if your roommate gets busted for having weed in the ceiling, mm -hmm. you are probably going to be held responsible as well. So depending on the state you live in, what your school's penalties might be for marijuana possession, you have to consider, are you willing to face fines, probation, maybe even worse consequences? So I definitely think a conversation is warranted here. So if your roommate kind of sounds like a reasonable person. Otherwise, hopefully they'll be able to understand your concerns and maybe you can work together to find another solution to the weed storage. I feel like that's going to be a common theme coming up is communicating with your roommate and, you know, going to couples therapy together. Yeah. <laughs> so Evan, how much weed do you smoke on a college campus? 
<laughs> is it like a bushel? How do you how do you measure quantities? Usually by uh, barrels. Okay. Barrels. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just inject per minute. Inject um, that weed. We had we had concrete ceilings in our dorm room. So I am very impressed that they were able to get through that thick of concrete in order to store the weed up there. I don't know if they're using explosives or pickaxes, but <laughs> that is, I'm impressed. I'm so far removed from college, but I feel like nowadays everyone's kind of so out in the open with things like weed and vapes and things like that, that you can get kind of a little too comfortable, you know, and some students on college campuses are not comfortable with that and some people are a little bit too comfortable you know sharing that and and so I think that's definitely a can be a point for a little bit of confrontation I have really noticed also with it becoming legal in two of our surrounding states in Indiana and also different I guess types of compounds of weed mm -hmm. being available at gas stations like that people just I mean people are very open with it for various different reasons and don't really care. And as far as I've noticed too, the way it's at least policed around here is probably very different than what it used to be. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that'll continue to kind of be a point of change, but you know, just making sure that whatever you choose to do in recreationally, making sure that you know, you know the laws of your state and then all of the rules of your college campus that you're on as well will be super helpful. Okay, so this next one's kind of funny. So let's say this is from Jessica. And Jessica writes that she usually labels her food in the fridge, girl after my own heart, this is mine, <laughs> in hopes that no one else will eat or drink it. I'm thinking of dumping the lemonade and refilling it with cat urine. Oh. <laughs> so, Christy, this goes in the category of food stealing. Maybe even passive aggressiveness or actually just active Maybe. aggression. <laughs> so how would you resolve this? Oh, goodness. So it definitely sounds like Jessica has a, a history of her food being eaten, and she's not handling it very well. I would hope that she would be reasonable enough that she could just have a conversation with her roommates about the food being taken. You know, just something like, hey, guys, I'm labeling my food so that it doesn't mistakenly get eaten. So please make sure that you're checking that you're not accidentally eating my food or drink. Something like this is definitely a boundary that should be set from the beginning, like when you first move in at the beginning of the semester. So putting some ground rules in place, especially around food, people are very possessive about their food. You may even establish like a roommate agreement where you have rules explicitly stated in order to prevent getting to the point where you want to dump the lemonade and put the cat urine in it. <laughs> I, I love that. I love the idea of the roommate agreement. Yeah, hopefully if we, you know, address things before they come up or you think about things, knowing your own personality and the issues you may run into just living with new people, you can address them from the get-go and maybe not even have those kind of blow-ups later. Absolutely. So is that a salt uh, cat piss in the... Uh... <laughs> I was in the bottle. Gosh, I know. I kind of wanted to bring that up too. I was yeah. thinking it's that, uh, a really good idea for a prank war, though. If um, <laughs> if you and your roommates are more pranksters, but that's uh, that's also something that might not go over very well with some people. Yeah, not, I... not that I would ever do that, but asking for a friend. Um... <laughs> On a scale of one to storing weed in your ceiling tiles, how illegal is that? It's at least a four. Okay, a four. <laughs> Great. Yeah, we may want to point out, um, I am not sure the laws in each state regarding letting someone else drink cat urine against their knowledge, but I can't imagine 
that that would happen freely and without punishment everywhere. Right. Especially if there's already a contentious relationship there. Oh, yeah. So proceed with caution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Stick I think... with hot sauce, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do something a little less aggressive. Just put some pepper oil in the, uh, yeah. the lemonade. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, All right, let's move on. Um, this one comes from Barry. He says, my roommate is a pig. He leaves half-eaten food in the room. He clogs up our sink and... Oh, sorry, let me say that. <laughs> you, know he, <laughs> you know he thought you were going to say toilet. Oh, man. <laughs> he, <laughs> uh, um, oh, but they do say toilet. Yes, later. they do. Okay. That's why I was laughing because I knew it was coming. <laughs> My roommate is a pig. He leaves half-eaten food in the room. He clogs up our sink with his facial hair and the toilet with his, let's say, dumps. Christy, this is common when two roommates have different ideas about cleanliness. What do you recommend? So again, I'm going to sound like a broken record probably with each of these, but a conversation is a great place to start, especially talking about your concerns. It's not realistic for everyone to have the same exact standards of cleanliness, but this feels like it's bordering on disrespect. And so if Barry is having to pick up after this guy or unclog the toilet. Those are some hygiene issues. And that would so, be a hard stat for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So if the conversation is not productive, then at that point I would recommend involving an RA and just having a conversation about I should not have to be unclogging the toilet for this person. Steven, did you have to do any of this when you were an RA? Honestly, no, but we also had like – we had shared bathrooms for our dorm, and so really it was just like everyone had a sink, and that was kind of it. So there wasn't a ton of mediating, honestly. Everyone everyone on my floor, I was pretty lucky. Everyone got along, thankfully. Good. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm just – I'm more impressed that they were able to potty train the pig, let alone the school letting a farm animal. Yeah, he's a pig. They yeah, let a pig I, I'm really into impressed. the dorm. You know, there's no rule that says a pig can't play basketball. All right. The wheels are falling off. Okay. <laughs> it's a little Airbud reference for those of you at home. We're only halfway in, too. We'll get there. This next one comes from Amanda, who says, I think my roommate has severe depression. She spends hours in bed and she skips class. I've tried to get her to go to our college mental health services, but she says she doesn't have the money. She just broke up with her boyfriend and she wants to talk to me about it whenever she's awake. I'm worried about her, but I can't even study in my dorm room anymore. This is a real problem when your roommate has mental health issues. What do you recommend? So this is definitely a common one. So first of all, what I want to say is I'm really grateful that your roommate has someone like you who's looking out for her. So you obviously care and you want to help her. So I want to make sure to say this. Most counseling services on campus are free. So please don't let cost ever be a barrier to getting the help that you need. And if that's not an option, there are many therapists who offer a sliding scale or reduced fees. So at the end of the day, like don't let the cost be the barrier to getting the help. I think that the roommate has, a, you know, is definitely justified to be worried. It absolutely sounds like Amanda's roommate is depressed. So if you've already talked to your roommate, it may be worth setting a boundary like, I'm so worried about you and I care about you that I feel like I have to do something. So if you don't make an appointment at the counseling center by the end of this week, I'm going to have to reach out to your parents. Or if that's not a good option, then maybe say, I'm going to reach out to the RA. We need to have a conversation because you need help. 
the RAs are really great. Stephen, you probably know this. Like you probably had resources mm-hmm. and connections to help on campus that sometimes the students aren't aware of. So I know that some people may feel like reaching out to the parents of a roommate or reaching out to the RA, like that that is a breach of trust. But let me quickly just address that part. Mm-hmm. When someone's depressed and unwilling to get help, it can quickly become a safety issue. So I would rather your roommate be angry at you, but get the help and support they need than continue to be non-functioning. So at some point, there's going to be huge consequences if they don't get the help. So at a minimum, it's going to impact them academically. So as hard as boundary setting can be in a situation like this, it's oftentimes necessary. What kind of red flags do you look for as far as, you know, knowing that boundary and kind of towing that line of like, okay, this is kind of out of the realm of me just having a discussion with you and I need to do more? So I would say things like they mentioned that she is spending hours in bed, she's skipping class. So you kind of look at what was their baseline functioning before and what is it now and how quickly has it deteriorated. So if they are sleeping too much too little, if they are not participating in any of the normal activities that they would participate in, you know, not eating or overeating, if they are isolating, if there is, they're just kind of not engaging in any social activities or being around people at all. I mean, that's just kind of the baseline, but definitely like depressed mood, flat affect, like things like that. So, you know, obviously depression is a spectrum, but in my opinion, especially when someone is away from their support system and they're at school, I would rather be safe than sorry. And I would want to make sure to connect them to someone that can help them. Yeah, exactly. Because you never know, I mean, what people's support systems are, especially if they're an out-of-state student or, you know, if they're coming where they don't really have much as far as family members nearby. So it's a whole new world whenever you get to college and making sure that you have that support system and then that you are that support system for someone else is huge. Absolutely. And for those of you guys listening to this podcast who are thinking about other people in your life that may have those symptoms, Take a second also to think about yourself. You know, if you're in college now for a couple of months, you may be noticing that you don't get as much enjoyment out of certain things, that you are sleeping in more and, you know, not meeting as much of your goals as you've wanted to. And maybe you're thinking that you might be a little depressed. And if that's the case, if you're resonating with some of this, seek out that help that we were talking about. You know, talk to someone that you trust, talk to an RA, talk to your roommate, you know, appropriately and with boundaries. But, you know, get help and and advocate for yourself before it becomes a really big problem. Absolutely. I love that. So I want to bring Evan in for this because I know, you know, you're one of our undergrad students. So how has the transition been to college for both you and either your roommates or your friends, other people that you interact with? Freshman year was hard. I, we, so my freshman year of college was fall of 2020. And so we, yeah, it was, we knew no one there was no ways to get to know anyone their clubs were there was no clubs no sporting events you, you had there was nothing it was really hard for a lot of people mm-hmm. all of us really and honestly i had a lot of friends that didn't come back to school the next semester because of it and i guess the biggest thing look just look out for your friends keep an eye on them we it, it was a rough year for a lot of us I mean, it was a rough year for everybody anywhere but we it it was no one was able to make new friends no one knew anyone so those of us that i still live with all the guys i knew my freshman year we were all like glue i got lucky but a lot of people didn't 
but look out for your friends. It can feel really isolating. And I think, you know, one of the underlying themes about, you know, talking about mental health, especially on this podcast, is that even though it can be isolating and you feel like you're the only person feeling this, you're you're not. It's so common. And so just, you know, being willing to have that dialogue for both yourself and to people that you feel like are maybe being affected is great and really opening up that door to get yourself and your friends the help they may need. So this next one comes from Allie. She says, I got out of lab early, and when I got back to the room, I found my roommate snooping through my clothes. She said she thought her shirt got mixed up with mine, but I think she's been sneaking in my clothes and borrowing stuff when I'm not around. Ah, so the snooper who helps themselves to other people's stuff. An age-old roommate issue. Any recommendations? Again, broken record, but I think a boundary-setting conversation needs to happen with Allie's roommate. Something like, hey, it sure looked like you were going through my things. That makes me feel like I can't trust you. It makes me feel uncomfortable. And I, part of a boundary is not only stating what it is that you are feeling, but it's also what do you need. And so maybe saying something along the lines of, if I catch you again, I will be talking to our RA and I will be asked to move rooms. So you need to communicate clearly what the behavior is, what you need from them, and what the consequence will be if it happens again. It seems like it might be a hard conversation to have. Oh, absolutely. Boundaries are not easy. And also, I feel like if I was in some of these situations, a lot of it just is so much easier if you would just ask. You know, if you're asking to get a cup of coffee from someone else's coffee pot, like that's probably not that big of a deal, but if you keep assuming that it's yours, you know, same thing with, you know, I don't borrow any of my roommate's clothes. Boys but don't do that? No, not so much. <laughs> but, you know, if we did, it probably wouldn't be that big of a thing to say, hey, can I borrow, you know, that, can I borrow that top for <laughs> Can I borrow that going out top? <laughs> Evan, do you ever borrow any of your friend's tops? Only on weekends. Okay, see, that's what I say, you know, just just when you're going out. Right, out on the town. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice blouse. But, you know, asking is part of that conversation, you know, Absolutely. opening up that dialogue. And that kind of covers a lot, When whereas when you're stealing or assuming that something is yours when it's not, that can be really hurtful and it can kind of invade on someone else's space. Yeah, so that's an example of how to set the boundary in a different way. So it could be, hey, if you want to borrow something of mine, just ask me. Like, I would be more than happy to let you. I just want to know what you're taking. Mm-hmm. Like, that just feels respectful to me. And it, like, is just common courtesy. And that way, when you're talking about food or when you're talking about clothes, mm-hmm. you're allowed to say no. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, no, actually, that was going to be, you know, that's a really special dress or that's a really, you know, nice shirt that I only wear on occasions. I'd rather you didn't because mm-hmm. I don't want you to come back with stains all over it and then me blame you forever and ever, hypothetically. Mm. <laughs> Sounds like there's a story there. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm I'm digging into some hidden, reason hidden Stephen memories. Stephen no longer borrows or lets people yeah, borrow that's, clothing. That's just why I don't. <laughs> Stephen, is there some trauma there for you? Listen, I'd rather not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about me. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> All right, so this next one is from Hallie, who says, my roommate has a new boyfriend and he's essentially moved into our dorm. He's a nice guy, but I can't even change clothes in our room anymore because he's just always there. Ugh, 
Sounds like a free range roommate. I don't know. He seems like a nice guy, so I don't really see what the problem is. You said it right in the second sentence. Uh, I mean, yeah, but uh, so think about someone else being invited into this very small dorm space and, like, Mm. you know, feeling comfortable changing. You just want to kick your feet up at the end of a long day at class. I mean, what do you do if you feel like there's kind of this uninvited guest that's keeping you from being comfortable in your own home? Yeah, that is a super uncomfortable situation. So, again, having the conversation, it is disrespectful of her roommate and her boyfriend as well that they're oblivious to the fact that that Hallie can't even change her clothes in her own room like that's a problem but this conversation around significant others and boundaries that should happen anytime you or your roommate start dating someone new so in a boundary conversation lay out the expectations for example how often will the boyfriend be over in this situation what time at night does he need to leave by How are we going to handle privacy? And then laying it out ahead of time and coming to a mutual agreement and understanding, it could totally prevent a situation like what Hallie's in now. Evan, did you have anything as far as like relationships, either your own or any of your roommates in college that have caused any issues or stir? uh, not, Not personally. I had friends who had some issues, but usually... They had to, they did just have to have a conversation about it. And they were like, I feel like some things with a lot of my friends and just, I guess, maybe a difference with guys in general, they could just be like, dude, what the heck? Like, this is kind of insane. Go rent a hotel or go do something else. But I almost said it on the last one too, with the clothes getting stolen, landmines or mouse traps. Uh, great for preventing unwanted visitors. Maybe maybe a nice note in the closet, but... I'm sensing I, like a Home Alone theme. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> Macaulay Culkin, is that you? That's my speed. But also, I think it's important, you know, for if you are single to not allow the, the friend or the roommate who's in a relationship to kind of, you know, overpower who gets the common area and things like that. A lot of times it can feel like well, hey, can we have date night, you know, in the common space? And if you're single, you don't really get to say, hey, can I have just my own alone time by myself, you know, in this room or in the common space? And so feel free to advocate for yourself because everyone needs their kind of alone time and their time to decompress. But I feel like, I don't know, society has just kind of gotten to a place where it's tough to say, hey, I'd just like to have my own date night with just me. Right. And Mm -hmm. can I please just... Yeah. Have my own space. And I think it all comes back to boundaries and Mm -hmm. those conversations Mm -hmm. that you can have and say, like, yeah, of course, you guys can have date night in our common space. But then, hey, tomorrow, do you care if I just kick back with a glass of wine and watch my stories? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yes, I still call them stories. (laughs) (laughs) With with the pictures. (laughs) This next one is from Jason. So he says, my roommate is constantly leaving me post-it notes all over the room and it's getting annoying. Is this Evan? Yeah, I think this is Evan, actually. (laughs) (laughs) He refuses to talk it out. He just leaves notes and mousetraps. It's weird. (laughs) Notes on my shoes, notes on my computer, notes on the fan, in the refrigerator, on the toilet. Okay, we get it. In a bus, on a van. On a, on a, Down by the river. What's, what's the, uh, I, I do not like green eggs and ham. <laughs> I'm pretty easygoing guy, but now he's using up my post-it notes as well as his. This is a tragedy. So what are signs of a toxic roommate and how do you handle someone who is so passive aggressive, Christy? 
Well, I would say this is probably the sign of a toxic roommate. Yeah. And in addition to being passive aggressive, his roommate's also very conflict avoidant. So he's willing to communicate, but not face to face. And so you can't resolve conflict through post-it notes. Like it's just impossible. It's like what we say in therapy. You don't text things that are really important. Like you Mm. sit down and you have that conversation face to face. So if I were Jason in this situation, I would sit down, have a conversation. Maybe this roommate doesn't understand what healthy communication and healthy conflict resolution can look like. Mm. And so maybe that is something that Jason needs to model to him that, hey, we can have conflict and we can sit down and we can hash it out and it can go okay. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you never really know what someone's background is, especially, you know, if you're coming into a roommate that you just matched with that you don't really know. So, I mean, what if, you know, they just have a totally different background and totally different family dynamic than you and just a completely different way of looking at things and handling conflict. So maybe he's scared, maybe in his past, you know, trying to address conflict has been met with either aggression or violence and really just kind of meeting him where he's at. Maybe not by using up all the post-its, but just saying, hey, I got your post-its. Let's talk about it. Also, there are so many people who are all sorts of different kind of neurodivergent people Mm -hmm. on this planet. And a lot of them have no idea that they are. So there are a lot of people, especially in college, that are going to find out that the way that they interpret the world and the way that they communicate are completely different than what most people expect. And most of the people that I've met and that are in my life would love to just be told directly that what they're doing is not appropriate and you know, is not an appropriate way to communicate. So opening up that dialogue may be the first step to them realizing that yeah, maybe the way that I interact with the world isn't, you know, what is expected of me. And not that that's a bad thing, but something that they might need to adjust to. I think that's a great point. Like I tell my clients who are in college, like a lot of people go away to college thinking that the family of origin they came from is completely normal and the way that they did things was Mm -hmm. completely normal. And then they get to college and they're like, wait a second, my family functions completely differently than everybody else's and I had no idea. And so it's kind of almost a, oh, there's a whole other way of being that I had no idea existed and there's a whole other way of communicating. There's a whole other way of having conflict resolution, you know, and so living with people who are coming from completely different backgrounds, it's it can be really eye-opening. And that's one of the reasons that the college is such an amazing experience, mm-hmm. right? Um, cause you are finally out of your small pond and into the ocean and you can kind of see what's out there and expand your horizons. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Evan, any thoughts over there? How many post notes did this guy use? No. So seriously, so you're saying he used all of his post-it notes, but then also started to get into Jason's post-it note stash. I mean, those are expensive. They are. Seriously. It, How many it, do you got right there? I started counting and I lost count at like six. But so there's at least <laughs> seven posts in here. And how I, I'm this I don't know if this has been going on for a long time. But or, that's impressive. That's a but lot. at least it could be worse. He could just be not talking about it. That's true. At yeah. least it could be always be worse. It could be raining. But <laughs> no. <laughs> Post it, it could always be worse. But no, I agree. You know, there are 
worse ways to communicate, I guess, but definitely much better ways. And, you know, communication is a two-way street. And like you were getting at, Christy, if you're just, you know, sending short messages and not actually having that face-to-face conversation, then things just aren't going to resolve. All right. So Christy, at the end of the day, all these roommate issues can be summed up with setting clear boundaries when you first move in and just respecting other people's boundaries. What other final thoughts do you have? So I've thrown around the term boundaries a lot today, and I think we're kind of assuming that people understand what that means. Mm. And so I thought maybe I might define that a little bit further. So the way I imagine boundaries are imagine that you yourself are a house and you have a white picket fence that goes around your house. Sounds lovely. Right. Mm -hmm. And you are the gatekeeper to that fence. And so by being the gatekeeper, you get to decide what comes in your gate and what goes out of your gate. So in that same way, with boundaries, you get to decide what you will and what you what you won't accept from other people. So you teach people how you want to be treated by the boundaries you set with them. So if you avoid conflict and you don't set boundaries at all, then you're teaching others that you are okay with everything. And then the consequence of that will be that people will walk all over you. But if you clearly communicate with others what your expectations are, there will be a lot fewer frustrating situations. So you have to be in a place, you have to get yourself comfortable with and be okay with healthy conflict and recognize that not all conflict is bad. So some general boundaries that may need to be addressed, and I would recommend setting these when you first move in to the dorm or the apartment, are boundaries around personal space, privacy, food etiquette, quiet time, lights out, the room temperature is a really controversial one, guest and visiting hours, general cleanliness, expectations and chores, what is acceptable or unacceptable behavior, and then also how to communicate productively when there is an issue. So like, what's the best way for each of us to come to one another when there is something that needs to to be addressed? Mm. So a lot of the situations, probably most of the situations that we discussed today on the podcast, could have been avoided if some of these boundaries had been established from the beginning. So just a general reminder as well, the advice given here is not a replacement for therapy. So if you find yourself in a situation where you are just not sure how to handle it with a roommate or move forward, or there's really some toxic behavior going on, I would recommend that you seek some professional help. So a therapist can help you work through your own boundary setting, but they can also see, help you see your own blind spots that you may not be able to see. So would I be correct in assuming then that these boundaries are something that you can kind of keep revisiting throughout the school year? Mm-hmm. So if a new situation comes up that you hadn't predicted, you can kind of sit down with you know whoever's in your life and reestablish those boundaries or check in and see if the boundaries that you set before mm-hmm. uh, are working for you guys and what might need to be adjusted. Oh, absolutely. Boundaries are ever evolving and ever changing. So you may start off the semester and you may set a boundary with a roommate and then you may get partially through the semester and recognize like I was either too firm or not, you know, too loose or whatever with them. And so you can reestablish them. And so I think that's really important too, that just because you state a boundary doesn't mean that that is how it's going to be from here on out. Like you're allowed to revisit that with a roommate and say, hey, actually, this isn't working for me, and this is actually what I need from you now. Evan, are there any boundaries or complete kind of 
like deal breakers for people that you live with? The thing that we, I had an issue with, I actually totally forgot about um, thermostat. Mm. Mm -hmm. that That's is a big one at our so, house. That is very underrated of an <laughs> issue. I am a hot box. My window is open right now and it's probably 65 degrees in this room and I'm warm. It and then oh my, you so, yourself are a hot box you don't like to be in a hot box no no okay. not preferably <laughs> not preferably but i i'm always hot especially at night and so I, my room's got to be super cold freshman year roommate was the opposite and it was rough that's tough yeah it was tough and now and now with my roommates now we've kind of hit an agreement of like that thing rides at 68 69 oh my and gosh, what is your bill like <laughs> i'm the same way i sleep at 67 oh I, my. i've got to be yeah that'd be nice yeah it's nice but i also control the thermostat in my house so <laughs> <laughs> all right anything else christy any last final thoughts i mean Boundaries, 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 you guys. Like they're super important, especially when you are living with other people. So set them. If you need help, seek help. And thanks for having me. Thank you, Christy, for your words of wisdom. Can't wait to have you back on the pod again. Evan, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Safe Tea is brought to you by Rachel's First Week. Executive producer, Dr. Angie Feige. Sound engineer, Ben Vodder. And a very special thanks to American Medical Response, NASCAR, and Healthcare Initiatives for their financial support of this podcast. Visit us on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and Twitter at hashtag Rachel's First Week. Don't forget the A in Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. We want to hear from you, so contact us at rachelsfirstweek.org. Don't forget to subscribe now so you don't miss a single episode of Safe Teeth.